This is Bach to Bach, the podcast opening up the world of classical music one beer at a time. And today we are giving you a little taste of knowledge. We have done a lot of deep dives into pieces with the kind of like the theme, the idea, but not really the basics. We've done basics back in like episode six of season one. And with all those pieces, we've drank a lot of beer. We have. But even then, we never really talked about the basics of just what are we tasting? And like what are we listening to? Like the, in hand in hand, those basics really give you the foundation to really enjoy what you are drinking or listening to and we it's almost like with education we know that we need to learn but sometimes we don't know how to learn or we don't listen to our teachers Ooh, ooh, that's a which happened all the time <laughs> for those of you who are just joining the uh, the bach to bach world kev uh is one of the best educators i've ever known according um, to a poll that i made for myself yeah well that's true <laughs> and, and 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 mom and mom, yeah, yep, 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 yep. so much worse. <laughs> Love you, mom. So, oh my God, oh, it's accurate. Anyway, so we, we want to kind of give you some basics for uh, Maddie's diving into the idea of the notes, no pun intended, of beer tasting. That was good. And I'm diving into how to understand and listen to a fugue, which is a lot of parts at once and how to decipher what is what and what to listen for. When was the last time we did box art a few? It was a ways back. Like a day or two ago, probably. Yeah. yeah. Time is right. Or years. Yeah, I don't know. Something. It's fine. Um, but there, there's really the foundation for understanding what is going on that the small parts that make up the big picture of what you are enjoying. And I'm excited for this one. Actually, it's a, uh, it's, it's like deconstructing, the the finished product that's very deep thank you well and to deconstruct the beer that we taste as well i'm going to dive a little bit in not the whole gamut of of tasting notes but we're going to talk about some of the things you might taste when you are out there trying beer and more specifically why that taste is there where does it come from is it purposeful or is it accidental and how well it, it, it comes from the beer just want to start with that it comes from the from the from the beer well like people it comes from the beer there's yeah nailed it good going kev you rock that one some people it's very similar to the world of wine where people go you know how do i tell if a wine is off and there's little clues you can look for like does it say yellowtail on the label or things like that you gotta just keep an eye out for just subtle hints yeah little bits (laughs) i just made that up on the spot that wasn't even a pre-planned joke really good well we're not going to be getting a sponsorship from yellowtail that's for sure this episode brought to you by Yelltail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what uh, what's going on in the world of fugue? Okay, so we've done fugues in the past, and basically the idea of a fugue is um, it really has what's called, instead of a theme or a melody, it's called the subject. The subject is your initial melody line that is then manipulated or made variations upon that one idea. And sometimes it is eight measures, 12 measures. And sometimes it's just like four beats. Like we box art of fugue is a two measure melody. 
The one today is two and a half measure melody. It's uh, Bach, same composer, J.S. Bach, who, you know, he, he lived. That happened. Um, it, that's true. Now, but now, for the listeners who may not know what it is, how would you describe what a measure is? Just when you say measure. What do so, you- okay, if you hear a beat, if you hear like, you know, whatever, how or fast or slow the tempo is, if it's. If you get like a one, two, three, four, or a one, two, three, or if it's in six, eight time, it's a one, two, three, four, five, six. The measure defines that one group of beats before we move on to the next group. And it's always pretty, for the most part, consistent from measure to measure. Um, and so it gives us that structure of how to listen and kind of organize music. That's a great, that's, that's enlightening. So with... With Bach's Little Fugue in G minor, this is actually something we've not done yet as far as instrumentation, organ, pipe organ, which we have not featured on this podcast. Wait, have we not done like Toccata and Fugue? I thought we may have featured it, but I thought the orchestra version, not an actual pipe organ. Oh, okay. We're going to have to dive into that. So this this is Bach's uh, Little Fugue in G minor, and it's little because in the scheme of his actual works... It's actually, uh, he has some great fugues, some grossa fugues, these large works. And he had this like this really tiny four to five minute little tiny fugue in G minor. But it's one of those, his most memorable lines he's written to date. Now this is, it was written between 1703 and 1707. So let's say like 1705 as an average. Nice. He's so it's math like math and music. And so like, like 315 years ago, this was written just like, Comprehend that for a second. What song that you've heard in the past decade will last 315 years in the future? I mean, Cannonball. But other than that, I, I can't mean, remember. You mean one. Wrecking Ball? Well, that shows how up I am on, yep. on pop culture. So there's no song called Cannonball. Yeah. But there's a called Wrecking Ball. Well, I, and Matt doesn't know what it is. I was and that's there. fine. You Quit. were. And that's also living on a prayer. Okay. Wait. Uh,. <laughs> And also, just for those listening, when we say Bach, most we're talking JS, JS, Johann not, not Johann Michael, no Johann Christian. There's all these other Bachs. There are a bunch of Bachs, but the but the the JS the Bach. Bach. Yeah. And so, because uh, we're listening to this this five minute piece, and you will hear the um, the theme, the subject played in the right hand of the organ. You will hear the theme change it to a different key while the right hand is doing some more work, the left hand will then come in a few measures later with the same theme in a different key. And then what's really exciting about with it with a pipe organ is that there is a large gap of time, probably like around like 15, 20 seconds. And then you hear the theme come in again in a bass line, but it's being played with the feet. And that's the really cool part with this right. is that like the bass line with this with this subject is being played with the pipe organ uh, foot pedals, which are basically it's the same looks like humongous piano keys, same spacing, same half steps and whole steps you see on a piano. Think of the scene in Big with Tom Hanks. He's dancing on the piano. Kind e- of like that. Exactly like that. That's exactly <laughs> it. But then also using both their hands to play other stuff. So doing three things at once. It's nuts. It's amazing. Um, but there is so much nuance and incredible like intricacies to all these melody lines together at the same time. So you're hearing the subject line. It's being passed around from hand to hand into the feet as well. 
being passed back around, changing keys. And so I want you to listen to try to follow wherever that subject line, that theme is going throughout the entire piece. Um, there is there is so much going on. So really just focus on that one element. When you go back again, try to listen for the other elements that are not the, the theme or subject and see where they go and how to like follow that little map that's going on the whole time. So this is Bach's Little Fugue in G minor. And when we come back, we're going to be dipping our toe into the world of tasting. Not into the beer, but into the world of tasting. Like the big toe or the... Whatever toes handy, really. Let's listen to some Bach.
So one thing I forgot to mention, which is one of my favorite musical things in existence, is the definition of a Picardy third. And I feel we've mentioned this once before. Um, A Picardy third is one of the most pretentious terms in reality. Uh, But what it means (laughs) is when there's a minor key, basically when it it is a a darker theme, it ends out of all this chaos and all this like kind of darkness of tone ends on a major chord creating this brightness at the very end. Um, and that's what a, a Picardy third is when there's a minor key and it ends on a major chord. And it's one of my favorite things. And Bach does this all the time. And he did it here in the little fugue G minor. So just, I had to tell you that it's so good. It's so great. Say, say it again. The, the Picardy third. Picardy third. I love that name. That could be a good band name. It's a boy band trio. Oh, all right, Kev, I want you to think back. We're both Parks and Recreation fans, right? We are I very want, much. I want you to think back to the episode where April, well, they all go on the wine tasting thing, <laughs> right? And April kind of makes fun. She she puts these lofty scenarios out there. It, it tastes like your grandmother's butt. Right, yeah. right, right. But the thing is, in the real tasting world, I'm just going to list off a couple of actual flavors. So so in my time working with, with a brewery here in Portland, we went through sensory panels. The sensory panel is where first you are trained to detect um, and, and evaluate beer, and then it allows you to work with beer coming off the line and beers you're experimenting with and how it performs and what, what standards you're looking for. But there, there are tons of different flavors and tastes, and you gotta name all these. So here's some, just for your, for your listening pleasure. Um, we back are, up. Hold on. These are these are real flavors and the, tastes. These are flavors that and tastes that that a a beer taster will use to identify flavors in the beer. So ready? Okay. Ready for this? Real flavors: putrid, baby vomit, candle wax, rancid oil, soil like. Oh, oh! Here's my uh, dirty sponges, barnyard, diapers, sweaty socks. And Goaty. Before you go on, these are all perfect band names to play like at like a divey, like grunge metal club. Oh no! It's all fantastic. of them. They're per- If that was a a bill at a metal show, I'd be I'd go. <laughs> and what's funny is like you do these. These are all aromas or tastes that you actually get. What's so, the sponge one again? Dirty sponge. Just sponge like. Sponge like. So there's or, or, or no, you're right. Dirty sponge. So that's actually. Hey. So what what our our uh, our the person who ran our lab would do would be to adjust the chemical levels with certain bits of identifiers That's so nuts. that we when we were learning there'd be obviously much higher levels than normal so that we would be able to identify some of these things and I, we never went as far as baby vomit that's you know, that's a different level but um, these are look at a tasting wheel sometimes because there are there's every kind of flavor under the sun but. Some of the ones you might encounter when you're going to the ne- uh, your next tasting room, when you bring a four pack home and you want to give this beer its first go around and and evaluate it for yourself, it's it you train your nose, you train your palate, you do get used to this stuff. But some of the things to look out for that you might encounter more often than not, um, one big one is acetic acid. Uh, okay. Which, so the chemical name for vinegar so you're looking for kind of vinegar like or sour and that comes from contamination so whether it's in the mash uh bacteria 
or some, sometimes wild yeast. Now, we don't have a lot of wild yeast fermentation around here. I, the, the, we do have um, Allagash that does their cool ship, which is wild yeast fermentation. But those are beautiful, beautiful beers, and they have excellent quality control, so you wouldn't see it there. But if you are tasting a beer and you get a really vinegar taste out of it, that is because of acetic acid, and it's going to be contamination in the beer. Another one that I think anyone who does sports might recognize is lactic acid. Yep. Remember lactic yeah, acid? Yeah, yeah, From running, it makes the muscles kind of get all cramped later on. So, Dance. Yeah. So uh, lactic acid gives sour. Uh, gotcha. Okay. On the, on the far end of it can be sour milk, but it does contribute to a sour taste in beer. But now, this is a... There, there are two beer spoilage bacteria that you got to watch out for. You've probably heard of lactobacillus. That's, um, that's a very common one, but also pediococcus. So lactobacillus and pediococcus, two bacteria that can help spoil beer and give that sour taste. Gotcha. Who would have thought Latin names on Bach to Bach today? Actually, to be fair, that's probably pretty I mean, high chance. I mean, I mean, you did because you're yeah, presenting this. There is that. So one person. One more to keep an eye out for is uh, that that profile of spicy, which comes from eugenol, which also we know is phenols. So eugenol? Eugenol. Okay. But that's where you get the... So the characteristic flavors there are cloves, allspice, nutmeg. Uh, but And a lot of that comes from certain yeast strains. So microbial contamination, uh, sometimes wild yeast from aging. Uh, sometimes maybe the winter warmers that you might have have right. that same thing. Right, right. Now, again... This is one of those things when with, with these flavors in when controlled and when used in certain ways can can enhance a flavor of a beer. And then you can go beyond the tipping point and you can have it negatively affect the, fl the flavor of a beer. Um, one of the little subgroups here are chlorophenols. And that is what if you ever smell a Band-Aid aroma. That is from chlorophenols. And it's funny, like we laugh, right? Because you're it's also there going, a great band name as what, well. Oh, yeah. Right. But when you're having beer, you're sitting there going, I'm not going to smell Band-Aids. But there are beers out there, especially as we get beers with uh, you know, a lot of the IPAs that don't have a long shelf life and right. are, are meant to be drunk fresh. And also beers that you know, in a lot of these microbreweries don't have the same kind of quality control that a macrobrewery like Budweiser would have. So here's a question for you. like In your experience with tasting and understanding these notes, what was the timeline for like from the start? Like, did you recognize these from the start or was it down like six, seven tastings or more? Whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, some were very apparent. There's one and I need to go back and double check. I think it's okay. diacetyl. I'm not positive. I think it's diacetyl. But we commonly associate that aroma and taste with runts and banana. Okay, and that's, sure enough, that seems. And yeah. it, I, I could be wrong if if you're listening and I'm wrong and it's not diacetyl, correct me. But it's one of those things where you you smell it and you taste it and you go, oh yeah, runts. Now runts in candy form are they're great, they're great yeah. little candies. Uh, but in a beer, obviously, it's not what you want. So it's right, and it's funny when you look at the ingredients on candies and other food products and you see these chemicals that you don't necessarily realize. In some forms, they're a flavoring, they're an enhancement, and in some, they can be a negative thing. So um, this is just, just a brief little touch into some of the things that affect our beer. So again, talking about phenols that give us that, uh, the, the sour, or not the sourness. Are, are there major groups 
like in general, like they're, they're kind of like, is there a place where we can find these things to take with us? There's a lot of, there's a lot on tasting online and you know what? We'll, we'll post yeah, we'll, some, some okay. sources here. We were, we got walked through this, uh, a multi, um, course tasting panel and sensory panel before right. we got to the point where we could then we were qualified. We had the past test and we were qualified enough to go back and actually taste the beers coming up off the, the pilot system and, and give our input in there. And Adam Moses, who we need to have on at some point, um, He's on the list. I got to work with um, Adam had a phenomenal palate and he could come through and ace the test every time. Well, and you compare it to wine tasting. I mean, there, there is like, to me, I have a very hard time defining red wines for one another, but I know that there is such a humongous palette between every single type of red wine that's out there, you know? And it's, you, you train it just like your ears, tra- just like, just like when you listen to Bach and, and the little fugue, you hear way more than my ear hears and, and you, it's, you train it. It's a, it's a muscle. Yeah. You, you got to exercise. So we'll we'll come back. This we'll add a few more bits in the next few episodes too of, of things to look out for when you're tasting. But um, again, look out for lactic acid, given that sour taste. Look out for what was that first one before lactic? Acetic acid. Acetic acid. And there was one before that I thought as well. So acetic was the vinegar. So watch out for the vinegar. The vinegar. So acetic. We had lactic, and there was the, the first one. That was the sourness, and then you had the spicy, the eugenols. The, the eugenols. And that was. One. Characteristic flavors there are the the cloves, the allspice, the nutmeg, uh, stuff that we we found in Fezziwig, found in winter warmers, and again, right? Okay. In certain levels, it's okay, but when it's too much, it you know it, it ruins it the beer. So yeah. again, just just like we touched on last last week, brewing is a science, it's a science, and and it takes so much precision. And do we, would you agree with saying like that? Out of the bottle, like if you poured a, if it drank out of the bottle, you would not smell it or taste it as strongly as like pouring it to a glass, letting it decant and then smelling it. Yeah, actually, if it, here's something you can do at home. If you want to test before you even taste a beer, smell it first. And there's things you look for. So we'll and we'll talk a little bit more in, in future episodes, but pour it into a glass, especially one, a tasting glass that that focuses, you know, that, that curves around and then gets narrow up near the rim, because what that is doing is allowing it to aerate and get exposed to oxygen, and then focusing those uh, the the aromas back up towards your nose as you go to taste okay. it. Okay, so get one of those and swish it around. And when you swish it, watch the sides of the glass. That's co- and look for for how it holds on to it. That's it's called the lacing. The lacing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so look for that. But then if you want to, what I would do is take take your hand, cover the top of it, and just swill it around on the surface and then keep your hand on it, bring it up to your nose and then just release the, your hand from the top. And that's when you give it and a good, dig a two, deep breath three in. second in that would, that way you're, as you, as you swirl it around, you're releasing those aromas, gotcha. but you're keeping it trapped in there so that you have the maximum amount in that air. And then the moment you pull your hand away, that's the best place. That's the best time to really get a good idea of what kind of aromas you're sensing there. Well, heck yeah. But I don't know. do it in a tasting room because you look like a knob. Don't do it. Don't do it in the tasting Do it at home but with like your if, friends. If you're in a tasting room, like wear a monocle. Like just like just go yeah, all out with it. Or have like a walking cane and a top hat. But just, yeah, don't do not be that guy who's doing it in the tasting room. Just if you're in a tasting room, home. just be just with your friends. Beer. Enjoy your time there. Laugh, tell jokes, play some some cornhole. and um, But at home, give it a go. 
so on that note, <laughs> um, let's dive into next week. So next week, I am actually really excited. This is a piece I've been wanting to do for, I don't know, since we started the podcast almost five years ago. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. It October 31st will be five years. Wow. But our our 100th episode will be September 1st. You heard this it year. here first, folks. Yeah. Stay tuned. No pressure. Um, I missed one. Oh my god! Yeah, but uh, I want to dive into like next week's will be the Elgar Cello Concerto, which yes. has been one of my favorite pieces of music ever written, and just the first movement because it's like it's like it's long enough as it is, but there's also so much to unpack, and it is it is emotional. It is it's just incredible, and I just. It's crazy that like the pieces of music have last longer than all these pop stars combined nowadays, and like here it's just it's a I can't no. I'm gonna have to think of yes. a really great beer to pair with this one because this is this is a monumental work. sponsored by Bud Light. Okay, <laughs> and Yellowtail <laughs> together mixed together it'd be great. Oh, so I'll I mean well I'll be looking forward to next week. Hope everybody else listening in the Bach to Bach world will be too. Yes, and actually it's funny like looking back on our our previous episodes, our Rock Mononoff episode is almost double the listenership of all of our other episodes. So, I don't know what it is, but thank you guys for listening, but thank otherwise you. like explore all the past episodes. We have 71 others aside from this one. Um, to listen to about all these incredible pieces of classical music and beers with amazing guests. And we are excited to share this all with you and what's to come. So thank you for listening. Um, go listen, go follow on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple podcasts. Please subscribe, please. Because we're trying to keep you guys up to date on all the most incredible classical music that's out there. And some really delicious beer all together in the same place. It's a great mix. It's a perfect mix. So on that note, until next time, it's been another episode of Bach to Bach. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Be sure to follow Bach to Bach on Spotify to get notified of the latest episodes. And keep the conversation going on Instagram with us and follow us on all social media platforms at Bach to Bach. That's B-A-C-H-T-O-B-O-C-K. Cheers and keep listening.